from somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Rob Roop. Thank you, thank you. Mike here. It is Mike Davidson Lives, the podcast I do about twice a week. Thank you for dialing it up uh, this go-round. I'm going to have to get my voice because, again, I record this late at night. People are sleeping in my house. And uh, last night, uh, last night my wife decided to sleep with the windows out open because she needed fresh air. And uh, thus, it, it created kind of this sinus thing I've got going. And it's been just fun dealing with all day today. Uh, but she actually deserved the fresh air. I'll get to that here in just a few moments. Uh, uh, before I forget, um, I finished up a book recently, a few days back, because um, I, you know, I kind of like the whole um, uh, true crime thing, more on the mob side of things than like serial killers. But this basically is a mob slash serial killer book, and it's uh, a book about uh, the Ice Man, uh, Richard Kuklinski. Uh, who uh, claims to have killed up to 200 people as uh, he would work in organized crime uh, in the New Jersey, New York area. And uh, he, he was convicted, I think he started like, uh, he died a while back, back in 2006. Uh, but he was serving like f two or four life sentences, I can't remember which. He was uh, convicted of killing four people with cyanide. Uh, there was a fifth person that they couldn't find, and uh, they're trying to tie him and... Uh, uh, Sammy the Bull Gravano together on a cop killing. Uh, but again, he died just before that could happen. Yeah, I know. Crazier things have happened, right? Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those things I was reading it. And uh, I, I'll talk more about this with another book coming up later on in the podcast here. But I was reading it. And you know how you kind of have a bullshit detector? Where you hear something, you read something, you're just like, okay. And then the story goes on, you're like, okay. And then you're like, all right, that's bullshit. It's it's a, it's a lie. Uh, he's talking out of his ass. I kind of get this vibe with Kuklinski because he did have those uh, confessions that aired on HBO. There's like three of them. And each time out, he would confess to another killing. And I don't doubt that this dude had a terrible childhood growing up. And that he himself was a psycho. Okay. And I don't doubt that he did things to the mob, and I don't doubt that he may have killed more than four or five people. But uh, 200 in an area like New York or in New Jersey and across the country, that's kind of uh, its kind of a stretch. Kind of a stretch for me. And I think um, there was two portions in this book where I was kind of like, okay, no way. Uh, one where he went down to Florida uh, and uh, killed a rapist at uh, the behest of a mobster. And he took him to the beach at night and was basically torturing this dude and sent him out on a raft into the ocean. And then on the way back, uh, he had some uh, a trio of hillbillies pull up next to him, calling him a fill-in-the-blank lover. Uh, you know, the derogatory term for, uh, for a black person, right? And, of course, uh, they followed him into a rest stop and they decided to hassle a dude that's like 300 pounds and six foot five, and he decides to take them all out and the cops are assed. And it's just like... Okay, that seems to be too much of a coincidence down the south, right? Next chapter, he's talking about how he was in on the uh, on the hit on Jimmy Hoffa, who uh, mysteriously disappeared all those years ago. And that's where I'm like, okay, some of this stuff is true, some of this is false. I doubt he was in on the, uh, the Hoffa thing. Because uh, Jimmy Hoffa is kind of like uh, JFK. Uh, nobody knows exactly what happened, but... 
everybody claims to be part of this conspiracy. And I just, I don't know, man. Uh, by the way, um, Klinsky claims that uh, Hoffa is inside a crushed Honda Cube on its way to Japan back in the 70s. That's that's his claim. Uh, but uh, they're never going to be able to prove that, and uh, they can't go talk to him because, again, Klinsky died uh, back in 2006. I don't doubt the dude's killed people. I just the, the, it just seems like every time uh, somebody paid more attention to this dude, who again is sitting in a cell by himself, practically serving out these life sentences. Oh, I, I have another story to tell. Oh, I have another story to tell. You know, it's kind of one of those things. Uh, oh, okay. So uh, came home yes last night. I kind of give you an update as to why my wife needed um, uh, the windows open. She uh, she had a stressful night last night. I came home from work. I, you know, you know, lock up the car. I'm going into the house via the garage. I open the door, and there's my mother-in-law standing right there. And she goes, you need to drive to the ER. And, of course, I freeze because there, there's a house full of three kids. And I'm thinking, what did they do now? Are they okay? And I go in. I see my wife. She's kind of hobbled. She's got one hand on the wall, one hand on the, the, the recliner. And what had happened was in the ten minutes after I... Uh, talked to her on the phone in the car uh she got off the recliner and somehow there was a toothpick on the living room floor and part of it went into the heel of her foot so yeah i had a late dinner last night uh but, and she was in pain but they pulled it out nothing got damaged too bad it's just it's going to be a kind of a financial hit uh when that bill comes but uh, she's okay got cleaned up okay um, I did offer to pull that out for her, and she said in the most demonic voice ever, no, and that did not happen. We, we left that to the professional, but I've had, I've had stuff like that happen before. In fact, in this very room that I'm recording in right now, uh, something like that has happened. Like my, my mother-in-law, uh, this is the biggest room on the second floor, and it's less echoey because she uh, helped make a bunch of sound paddings for the walls to absorb things and to hang them up. There was nails. And she had her, like, retouch up one one time, and I, I came to the office to get something. This was last year. Barefoot, I step on this for some odd reason, and a nail goes right through my heel. Like a small nail. It was only, like, maybe a half inch in. Yeah, only half inch in. Hurt like hell. Did I go to the ER? No. Why? Because I'm dumb. Uh, but uh, we slept with the windows open so she can get fresh air. And now my sinuses are paying dearly for that <laughs> she's okay the kids are okay as you know the kids uh my, my two daughters love halloween and they also love christmas so the next three months three to four months it's just their time right and i just saw like uh toys r us or not toys r geez going uh, how to say you're old without saying you're old right i uh, know target and walmart it threw a through a press release they uh were like CBS News. It's news now that your kids want toys for Christmas. Who knew, right? Uh, they posted uh, a list of the It Hot Toys. All the kids are going to be wanting this year. You know, and Target's got their list. Walmart's got their list. And uh, they want you to start spending now. And, and Lana's already told me what she wants. She doesn't need uh, Target or Walmart to tell her what she wants. She's a, she's a big fan of Frozen. She loves Disney princesses. She's going to get that. Hazel loves Disney princesses. She's going to get some stuff. Um, who knows? But it kind of uh, brought me back to a sad realization like around this time years ago when I was a kid. You know, 35 odd years ago. 
you know, the Sears catalog would come in the mail around this time. The J.C. Penney catalog. And I would go through there, look at all the toys, the mail order stuff, the baseball cards, uh, He-Man figures, G.I. Joe figures, pool table that I never got because, well, those cost money and <laughs> we didn't have the space for it. Uh, all the stuff, I'm circling it, I'm circling it. And, you know, because I wanted Santa Claus to bring this to me. And I'm, I'm now just realizing uh, kind of the, uh, the conundrum J.C. Penny and Sears were in because, you know, you have this catalog of stuff that you could order for kids, but chances are Santa Claus and your parents didn't go to JCPenney or Sears. They probably went to Target or Walmart or someplace cheaper to get these toys, and you wouldn't have to put up with the post office. That's probably why uh, uh, Sears is no longer around, and JCPenney is just kind of hanging on the ropes right now. By the way, speaking of post office, just in time for the holidays, uh, the U.S. Post Office is going to hire up to 28,000 workers so that's uh, 28,000 more chances for your stuff to get lost in the mail coming up for Christmas. Good luck. Oh, man, some hard luck. Uh, last uh, a couple nights back. Oh, for 46. This is a crime against humanity. I mean, I don't like award shows, but uh, 46 times. Uh, Better Call Saul, one of my favorite shows of all time, has been nominated for an Emmy. Has not won one. Out of 46 attempts. GM Chrysler, man. And I, you would think this would be the year. They're saying, well, you know, they, they, they're they still eligible for next year. Because uh, the last six or seven episodes didn't drop until after the deadline. So, yeah, they could be. But uh, someone like, say, Rhea Seahorn, who's uh, Kim Wexler, uh, playing that character, just been lights out phenomenal. Uh, she's in fewer episodes in the last episodes of Better Call Saul. And, you know, Bob Odenkirk. I mean, the dude dude had a heart attack on the set and came back and finished up these episodes. No love. No love. But uh, uh, I, I guess it really doesn't matter too much to me because I still think the show kicks ass. And nobody's watching the Emmys anyway because I guess uh, the numbers came out. And last year was a record low. This year, even lower. And it's just such a mystery why you know an award show that's shown on network TV that's given all these accolades to all these streaming services and HBO and very few network TV shows get nominated anymore. Uh, why no one's watching these damn award shows, especially when Jimmy Kimmel is just laying there on the stage for two minutes. I guess that's funny. Monday Night Football. You know, they, Monday Night Football beat out uh, the Emmys. Handily. In fact, uh, uh, it was the debut of uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. And they scored some pretty fantastic numbers for the uh, Seahawks-Broncos game. Uh, it is the third highest rated Monday night football game uh, since it moved to ESPN back in, was it 2006? When they finally moved uh, across from ABC. I, think, I, I do know it was simulcast on e, uh, ABC because... That is, uh, you know, the sister station, basically, to ESPN. Uh, but uh, not too bad. And, you know, I know I talked a little bit about, uh, was it last podcast, about how uh, Buck and Aikman got signed to Buku Bucks and nobody's necessarily watching the game for them. And if you're a Seahawks fan and uh, a Broncos fan, not so much. But uh, as overpriced as they are, Far better professionals than ESPN has had in that booth recently. Remember the Boogermobile? Oh, man, yeah. So, um, 
they're they're actually doing something for that network. So uh, good for them, I guess. Uh, I didn't watch uh, the Emmys or Monday Night Football a few nights back. Uh, Emmys because it's an award show, and Monday Night Football because our remote got toasted by my son, uh, who decided uh, just hours before Daddy came home was going to watch a football game to pour water all over our Comcast remote. So uh, we we got a new one. That's good. And I and he's not in any trouble too much. Just got to keep an eye on that dude because uh, he likes to get into trouble. <laughs> one years old and he's already keeping me from watching football. What's up with that, Logan? Right? Uh, but uh, yeah, Emmy's down significantly in terms of ratings. And uh, uh, Brett Favre is in trouble again. For texting again, uh, it just uh, came out. I guess um, what is it? this this happened like in uh, the 2016-2017 era, and there's kind of this bombshell uh, where Brett Favre was trying to via text with the governor of Mississippi and some woman that's running a a government agency that helps out poor students if they could commandeer funds for his daughter's uh, high school stadium for uh, for like volleyball. Yeah, uh, again, he's getting in trouble for this. Again, texting. Uh, as we all know that uh, he got in trouble back in 2010 with the sideline reporter for the Jets. I think, uh, was it Jen Stenger? And I, and I, I apologize if I'm uh, mispronouncing her name, but uh, she uh, <laughs> she actually texted out, oh, now he gets in trouble for this crap. Yeah, but... Uh, it, it, it's not a good look. Uh, the governor is no longer the governor down there. And uh, this is all sorts of trouble for uh, uh, for Brett Favre. And it's, it's a big controversy. But uh, you know how it was kind of back when uh, uh, Will Smith got in trouble for slapping Chris Rock? Yeah, it was a bad thing. Uh, but all the grandstanding got to be a little obnoxious. I mean, if, if Brett Favre gets in trouble, it's no skin off my nose. But like... You know, Will Smith, uh, it was almost like, uh, you know, he was uh, being taken up to the Hague on war crimes. And all these actors were just aghast that somebody could do something so horrible. And it's the worst thing ever that Oscar winner's ever done, right? Uh, Polanski. Um, but um, uh, Jeff Perlman, who is a professional jock sniffer, he's one of these sports writers who writes about sports athletes and how great they are, and all this other stuff. He finds out about uh, Brett Favre having these character flaws uh, that he coincidentally did not notice while he was writing the 2016 book Gunslinger. That's the other thing, too, is like this uh, this text thing uh, happened just about a year or so bef uh, after the, uh, the book comes out that uh, Jeff Perlman writes Gunslinger about Brett Favre and all this stuff. And so, uh, to save his own ass, I mean, to uh, to make himself look good, Jeff Perlman decides to go on Twitter and talk about how, like, uh, you know, it, it was my job to make him look uh, great in a professional light. And, uh, you, know, you know, he was a prankster. He was a hard worker. He overcame all these obstacles and all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's talking about how he's sick to his effing stomach that this guy is taking cash from poor kids. And, you know, he's putting up a video of a, of a, of a Favre jersey burning 
<laughs> a trash can. I don't know if it was his or if he just found it on the internet. But uh, 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 Jeff Perlman is now telling people, do not buy my uh, six-year-old book about Brett Favre. Stop it. Yeah. Um, it, and it seems like one of those books that just, if you go to a Barnes & Noble and go in this book section, and if you see it, there's probably maybe one or two copies of that book just sitting on the shelf because... Uh, all the big sales have happened years back when this thing was a mover and there was no controversy. So this is, so he's not really losing any money if he's telling you not to buy the damn book. And again, he's uh, he's supposed to be this writer, this sports journalist. And, you know, what gets me is uh, he's so aghast by this, but he's got a long literary, uh, a, a long bibliography is what I'm trying to say. Of books he's written about the Dallas Cowboys for crying out loud uh, about the Lakers. In fact, Showtime, that HBO sh uh, show that had uh, John C. Riley as uh, the owner of the Lakers, that was based off his book, Showtime. And he's got all these books about you know athletes and you know how great they were and all this other stuff. He's been doing this for years, and he hasn't picked up on this shit. And uh, he's now just coming out to say, oh, no, don't think badly about me. But now I think it, people are going to be like, well, you're the dude that wrote about Brett Favre. I guess I won't be buying any more of your books at all, gunslinger or no. And, and by the way, he writes this book, um, Gunslinger, six years removed after the peen pick. Yeah. So, uh, where was the Me Too outrage from you there, uh, Mr. Jeff Perlman? You know, if it sounds like I'm bagging on this, dude, it's because I, I just, I get tired of the phony soapboxing. And that's what this dude is doing. And I guarantee goddamn tea that this dude hasn't learned a lesson and he will write another book like this uh, over uh, uh, overlooking some character flaws. You know, but, you know, and that's the sad thing, though, about Brett Favre. And it's like a lot of athletes. Uh, you, you grow up watching these guys on the field do these spectacular things and, you know, compete at such a high level. And, you know, if they're playing for your team, you, you feel a, a sense of pride. Like, hey, he's playing for my hometown, even though you know, he's not from Green Bay or Minneapolis. He's, he's from Mississippi. Um. But you're just like, man, he's going to bring home the Lombardi for our town. And then, you know, you find out, okay, he likes to show off his wing to people that aren't his wife. And then, uh, you know, he wants his daughter to have money uh, more so than poor kid. You know, uh, it kind of reminds me of some of the stuff that my dad talked about growing up being disillusioned with his, um, uh, his childhood sports heroes uh not necessarily i'm a brett Favre fan but uh, my dad was a big 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 red machine fan from the 70s my dad grew up in kentucky from the 50s 60s 70s onward loving the cincinnati reds and when essentially the reds put on arguably the greatest baseball team ever in the mid to late 70s my dad was just like stoic stoic or not stoic uh just stoked is what i'm trying to say Again, damn allergies. And uh, uh, Pete Pete Rose was his favorite player. And, you know, the hit king. Uh, but then all the allegations about him not being faithful to his wife, the, the cheating in baseball and all that stuff, like, left a bad taste in my dad's mouth. 
And it's kind of a buyer beware type of thing uh, when it comes to the character of athletes. You may admire what they do on the field, but they might be a completely different person off the field. They may not be the, uh, the Boy Scout. And so you got to be kind of skeptical when you go and buy these uh, sports autobiographies or sports biographies or whoever the hell's writing it. You know, I would be skeptical of anything that Jeff Perlman writes because it's probably been a whole bunch of uh, horse crap uh, from the word go. And for him to get up and uh, all of a sudden be just outraged that an athlete does something selfish. Well, Jesus, uh, who saw that coming, right? All right, I want to be a little selfish here in the last few moments of the, this particular podcast. Um, this this happened the other day uh, across the state. Uh, yeah, I live in Fort Wayne. Uh, the region's just outside of Chicago, and uh, you know, people from the region think essentially they're from Chicago. Um, <laughs> I always thought like if you lived in Chicago, you're from Chicago. If you uh, uh, you lived in uh, if you lived in Gary, you lived in Gary. If you lived in any of the towns outside of Chicago, you just lived in that town. But uh, the region, uh, there's a, a guy that got in uh, a little trouble. He was out hunting, and uh, they had to go uh, rescue him because he, he shot a goose out in a swamp. He's going to get the goose, and then he ends up in uh, uh, mud up to his chest. So kind of like quicksand, some scary shit, right? And they were able to rescue him. The DNR was... Uh, talking about how dangerous this was and you know some of the safety tips you know when you go hunting a few things kind of uh, went through my mind here uh, for one what is the the appeal of eating a goose because it just seems like a skinny ch uh, chicken or a fat pigeon with a long neck I just eat not that chickens are particularly clean birds but they have a better PR thing going than say like uh, geese geese to me are just dirty disgusting, mean-spirited animals. And two, uh, when it comes to killing geese, I mean, I know that there are some, like uh, the Canada goose, you can't kill. Those are an endangered species. But uh, the numbers are far more than they were when it became an endangered species. Like you, this time of the year, I want to see more and more of these damn things flocking south and stopping off in my subdivision and crapping all over things. I think what needs to be revisited here is, uh, okay, you put an animal on the endangered species list. There has to be something that pulls them off. I think like here in the States, like the bald eagle should always stay on the endangered species list because it's the uh, the national bird. It is the emblem of America. It's, it's a good symbol. That should always be protected. Hands down. But geese, F them, right? Uh, they're dirty. So I'm thinking when push comes to shove, that animal should be taken off the endangered species list once. There are enough of them to crap all over your subdivision sidewalk because it's filthy. I mean, the other day, uh, my wife and I, we, we took the kids out for a walk and we walk by the retention pond, and the freaking sidewalk, man, is just coated in green logs. Filthy, disgusting. You know, there has to be a, there has to be kind of this uh, controlled hunt type of thing uh, where you can do away with a bunch of these damn things. Much like, you know, in the Florida Everglades, 
Yeah, you, you have a bunch of people reenacting uh, the Simpsons whacking day and uh, killing all those bow constrictors that people just dump off in the swamp. Uh, that would be the way to go. I, I don't know how else he would do it without guns because, he, I mean, you could introduce snakes to Indiana like bow constrictors, but the, the cold weather would kill them, and adding animals just doesn't really work out all that well. But, yeah, F these things, man. Uh, if, this, if this guy wants to save himself some trouble, and I will look the other way, uh, if he wants to hang out at our retention pond and uh, just uh, bag a few of them, I wouldn't say boo. Just aim toward the water, not the houses. I don't want that problem. And yes, this is obviously a joke. Don't flag me. Alright, my voice is about to give out. Uh, hopefully next time I do this, you'll be a little stronger. Until next time, stay fresh, cheesy. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.